Welcome to the My Friend the Friar podcast, and thanks for listening. If you like My Friend the Friar and want to support us, please consider subscribing or following us if you haven't already done so. And if you found us on YouTube, then don't forget to click the notification bell when you subscribe so you'll be notified of new episodes when they release. Thanks again, and God bless. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm John Lee, and today I'd like to invite you to think about what happens when we encounter Jesus. When you look at Scripture to see what happens, it can be pretty dramatic at times. There's a fundamental shift, and life changes course. This is why the church has taught the faithful to live sacramental lives from the very beginning. Because in simple terms, a sacrament is a sacred moment, something through which you encounter Jesus the intangible divine contained in something more concrete. The Church recognizes seven official sacraments, which we've talked about before, but there are countless ways in which this concept can unfold. I absolutely love the depth and complexity of this teaching. Jesus himself is a sacrament, God's intangible word and the intangible person of the Godhead made tangibly flesh. Sacred Scripture, the books of the Old and New Testaments, which allow us to engage with God's living word, is conceptually sacramental. Plus, Jesus is God's word, become flesh. So it's like that Inception movie with dreams within dreams, only it's sacraments within sacraments. And our whole lives should be sacramental. These sacred moments where we encounter God can be anything. It could be when you're holding your newborn baby, crazy early in the morning, standing alone in the stillness of the night where you encounter God, and contemplate his act of creation in what has now become to you a sacred moment. In the books of the New Testament, people encounter Jesus when he heals, performs miracles, or teaches, when he calls people out on their sin and invites them to walk with him instead. And we might feel tempted to think that this is how we can best help other people to encounter Jesus as well. And for some out there, that may be true. Some people, like Father Stephen, are great teachers and convict people's hearts when they speak. But for the average person, I would wager if we walked around teaching or pointing out other people's sinfulness, we'd probably just come across as annoying or judgmental jerks. If you sit back and think about it all, all of Christ's miracles and teaching and healing and his invitations to follow him, as a matter of fact, even all of Scripture, is all pointing to one act, when he empties himself out in his paschal sacrifice, which begins at the Last Supper and finishes on the cross. It's that emptying himself out in an act of love that saves all of humanity. Everything else he did points to that moment. I think this is precisely how we bring others to Christ. When we try to emulate Christ by emptying ourselves in acts of love. Last time I read from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, and I'll quote it again here. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you should also love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So there's two key parts here. As I have loved you, so you should also love one another, which is telling us what to do. But then Jesus follows it up with the why. This is how all will know that you are my disciples. So how did Jesus love us? Well, he emptied himself out for us. 
How do other people encounter Christ through us? Well, it's not by calling them out on their sins or by spouting scripture. It's by loving others how Christ loved us, by emptying ourselves out for someone else. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this act, someone emptying themselves out like this, is among the most beautiful and life-altering moments we could ever experience. I'd like to tell you a little story about my brother, Paul. Growing up, Paul had a friend, Derek, who was raised by his grandmother. And Paul and Derek, they met in elementary school and would remain lifelong friends. Derek was raised by his grandma because his mother had always struggled with substances and relationships. After high school, Derek's grandma would pass away, and without any real relationships with anyone else in his estranged family, Derek would seemingly pretty much be on his own. And while I don't know all the details about Derek's personal life, it's safe to say that where Derek's life seemed to be lacking in love and family, he more than made up for it with my brother. Paul would be his brother too, his family. Derek had diabetes from childhood, and he would begin to develop complications from it in his 20s. And these complications would eventually worsen to the point where Derek would go blind and begin to suffer from kidney failure. When he had no family members to help him, and he could no longer care for himself, my brother Paul, refusing to let Derek go through this alone, became his caregiver. While at first he would share this responsibility with state-appointed caregivers, he would eventually take on the responsibility full-time because of the lack of care Derek was receiving from the state. At one point, when caring for Derek and taking him to his hospital and dialysis appointments was causing conflicts with Paul's work, he resigned from his job to prioritize being there for Derek. He could always find more work, but family came first. Now, fast forward more than a decade, Derek and my brother Paul are now in their 40s, and one day at home, Derek fell pretty hard and had to go to the hospital for recovery. But while he was in the hospital, he began to have difficulty breathing and After developing further complications, he had to be intubated. And then sometime later, while Derek was still in the hospital, there would be some sort of medical event where Derek would stop breathing and go without oxygen for several minutes. After being resuscitated by the medical staff, the follow-up tests would show that the time Derek had gone without oxygen had caused severe brain damage, with the only activity left being in his brainstem. The lack of activity and the signs of deterioration of his brain would require Derek to be kept on life support indefinitely with no chance of recovery. Something which Derek's advanced directive clearly stated he did not want. My brother Paul, of course, would be the only person who Derek would trust to make sure his final wishes were kept. My brother would make sure that Derek's friends and estranged family were informed of what all had happened and what Derek's wishes were. Paul would give them all a chance to come and say their goodbyes or to call in and do so over the phone or video chat if they could not travel. I myself would make the trip to say goodbye to Derek in person and try my best to support my brother. Over the course of several days, Paul would give people a chance to come and leave all while standing by Derek's bed, getting the daily updates from the medical staff on Derek's continued deterioration. Father Stephen had a fellow Carmelite friar drive out from 
the nearby monastery and do a blessing. And finally, when everyone had made their goodbyes, Paul let the medical staff know that it was time to take Derek off of life support. I would watch Paul stand vigil in the hospital room for three days after life support was discontinued before his brother Derek would pass away at the age of 41. How will people encounter Jesus in you when you empty yourself out for one another? I hope that I have the courage and the strength to empty myself out for the people I love like my brother did for Derek. Decades devoted to friendship and brotherhood. As I have loved you, so you should also love one another. Paul's emptying of himself did not draw giant crowds or great recognition. It was a quiet and unremarkable event to the rest of the world. But I encountered Jesus in my brother's love. And now that I've said I hope for the strength and courage to empty myself out for the people I love, it makes me think, well, what about for the people I don't love? What about the stranger, the woman who approaches me outside the hardware store asking for money, or the one who sits at the bus stop for days on end? Can I have the strength and the courage to heroically empty myself out for the people I love, my wife and my daughter, or the rest of my family and friends? and the stranger, and my co-workers, and the people who really bother me? What about not just in some grand final moment, but can I empty myself in the smallest day-to-day moments? When I'm having to do the hundredth thing for the hundredth time, when I've had the most stressful day at work, and I just want to sit down and be left alone to unwind at the end of the day. What about you? Or... What about the person who, in the stillness of the night, when wonder at God's creation has been replaced by a baby who won't stop crying and go back to sleep? I can't do it. I know myself. I tend toward being selfish and passive-aggressive, acting out my self-centered dissatisfaction in some underhanded way. And someone sharing Jesus with me by reminding me of my sinful nature, isn't going to help me be more Christ-like, especially in those smallest moments. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says, The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. So, those small moments matter. And I have to figure out how to start there. And as I'm thinking about it all now, I realize that Experiencing someone emptying themselves out, like my brother for his friend, doesn't really give me the power to do anything either. Instead, it draws me into an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter makes me want to run to the sacraments so I can encounter him more. To reconcile myself to Jesus in confession so that his power can be made perfect in my selfishness and weakness. So I can empty myself so that he might fill me with his love. So I can be ready to receive him in God's word at Mass, which 
points me to the most holy sacrament, the Eucharist. So I can receive Jesus as he continues to pour himself out and continue to become filled with his grace so that I can go out and transform the world. Maybe, just maybe, starting with how I live my life in those small moments. And finally, I realize now that my understanding at the beginning of all this was on the right track, but it wasn't quite correct. We don't bring people to Christ just by emptying ourselves out for one another. Instead, we empty ourselves to Christ so we can become so filled by his love that when people are emptying themselves to each other, we're actually pouring out Christ. It is not me who transforms the world and the people around me, but Jesus with whom I am filled. And so if I'm not purposefully emptying myself to him and allowing him to fill me through his sacraments and all the beautiful sacramental moments of my life, then no one will encounter Jesus in me and I can accomplish nothing. I want to end today by inviting you to think of a time where you've encountered Jesus in your life. Was it in a moment big or small? Was it through a specific sacrament of the church like the Eucharist or reconciliation or your marriage? Or was it through a person in your life? Feel free to share your stories with us. Uh, if you found this episode on YouTube, you could share it in a comment uh, section below, or you can send us an email at myfriendthefriar at gmail.com. It's just always amazing to build one another up through the sharing of these beautiful moments. And lastly, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and maybe today is the day that we've earned your subscription. So if so, subscribe or follow us so you'll get notified in your podcast app of our new episodes. And of course, please share the podcast with others. And as always, thank you so much for listening. God bless.